we magnify you. We give this time and this day over to you Lord. That you might be able to come into our hearts in a greater way. Occupy more of us Father. It's about taking over. You taking over those parts of us that we want and we need to come alive in you. And we thank you for preparing us for great things in life. In Jesus name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today I thought we'd talk about being holy as he is holy. Being holy as he is holy. And uh, I just believe that there is a relationship understanding that uh, the body of Christ can come to in a greater way. Because we are uh, talking about end times and sometimes we think uh, we are waiting on one thing we're waiting on this we're waiting on that but really we're in relationship with God and uh, I think that's the most important all the overriding things uh, um, that we do we you know talk about worship and praise and reading the word and spending time with the Lord you know as we say it but Really everything hinges on our relationship with him. What do we do every day? How do we relate to God? What is it that um, is unique between us and God that defines the relationship? There has to be an understanding between us and the Lord about our purpose, our mission, our uh, goals, our uh, our um, uh, vision, the things that we are about in life, and it's not a business, and it's not a uh, a legalistic or distant relationship, but our our relationship with God is intertwined into everything that we do every day, and it has to be that way because He lives in us. Jesus has decided that he is going to dwell within the heart of man and he has to live out the life that he has ordained for you through you. So we live in cooperation with God in a very close and a very intimate way and we can't ever distance uh, that relationship from the things that we uh, set as goals or the things that we want to do. That relationship has to be very much intertwined in everything that we do and so we can never divorce God from uh, our our career path we can't divorce him for from our desire for family for job for anything in life he has to be very much intertwined in it uh, and and it has to be given over to him for direction because he has put those things on our heart to want to accomplish he has a vision and a purpose for every human being that ever walks the face of this earth and so understanding that that means that everything that we do for him in his name all of that has to be done through relationship we see that in, in the one parable about the man who uh, came to the Lord it looks like uh, at a time of judgment and he says look what I did for you look what I did for you and, and he says I cast out devils in your name did all these things in your name he says depart from me you worker of iniquity because I never knew you I was never your friend in this I was never intimate with you and and we all look at that parable as you know how can somebody do all that in his name and he not know him it must be possible and it's probably pretty easy because as ministers we know that God is looking at the need of the individual that we minister to much more than he's looking at the vessel that provides the anointing and so when you think about it it's real easy to miss the main thing that we're here for and that is relationship with God and so if we can do anything we've got to put relationship in a high uh, range on a high pedestal uh, put that up in a place where it cannot be tampered with because That is what we are here for first and foremost. So in Psalm 51 I thought we'd go there to get an understanding of 
a, a severed relationship, a once close relationship with God that got severed through disobedience and through sin, and how the person that was uh, that had severed the relationship, how they really felt in in a distance, and how how he uh, managed to get himself right with God we believe as right as you can get you can get all the way right and, and so that's a good thing but that severing of relationship does something to a human soul that has can only be repaired by God and only be repaired in understanding his love and coming back to where we really really belong so uh, in Psalm 51.1 it says have mercy on me O God according to your loving kindness according to the multitude of your tender mercies. There's a person that has relationship with God and, and knows that God is, is, is you know everlastingly merciful. There's no limit to his mercy. And that's something that we never want to take advantage of. You know, if a person, it's like having a wealthy friend and purposely running out of money because you know they're wealthy and generous. You know, you can always go and get what you need so it does. I don't have to live my life disciplined and purposeful and all of that because I can always go here, you know, and get whatever I need. And he says, but even though you know God is tender mercy, it doesn't make you feel any better when you know that you haven't done what, what he expected of. You know he's, you've disappointed him in some way. So he says, blot out my transgressions according to the most. He said, I just want to be right, God. I just want to be cleansed again. I just want to be right with you again. I don't care. What, I know you're tender and mercy. Just take care of me and do what needs to be done so that I can feel right about you again and get back my relationship. He says, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Wash me thoroughly thoroughly from mine iniquity so he knows that there is something inside of him that drove him to disobey God and and commit a a great sin in, in front of the people of Israel the God who had brought him from being a shepherd boy uh you know who was you know no manners whatsoever he brought him into a king's palace and allowed him to live royally uh, trained him to be the king that he turned out to be God had invested all of that in him and he says he knows there's something in him that drove him to do this and he wants that taken care of you know you want that out of you you don't want to continue in a vein where you could easily disappoint God you you alienate people you uh you know disappoint yourself uh, you don't do the things that you know you need to do like Paul says the thing that I know I never want to do I do it anyway thing that I want to do is hard for me and he talked about that you know as being an iniquity that dwells in the heart of all of us that it is God's purpose to root out of us that's part of our redemption is the rooting out of of tendencies towards self importance and that's what David's whole deal was about it's that tendency to want to get us ourselves on the throne of our lives again want to climb back up there you know we oh I give it all to Jesus and I only want to serve you and you know I'm your handmaiden whatever you want done I'll do it and and then there's something in there that still wants to be important wants to it gets offended when when we're not given the best of things or we have to wait for things or you it's just common it's common it's in all of us and so in order for us to have intimate relationship with God these barriers have to be broken down these things that we continually stumble over that they keep tripping us up and tripping us up and tripping us up you know that those attitudes desires when is it going to be my turn for why do I have to watch everybody else get ahead why do I have to watch everybody else prosper why do I have to help everybody else who's going up you got me Uh, these are the things that continually plague us 
and they stand as a barrier between us and the Lord because if we really are the people that we say we are we're just waiting at his feet desiring nothing but him then all this other stuff really doesn't matter but we find it matters you know it still matters even though we've judged it is it's wrong for it to matter it still matters why is it still mattering <laughs> why is it still bothering me <laughs> how long anything takes why is it still bothering me when I see other people get this and they don't know as much about God as I know and you know you know how it goes and so these are the things They're, they may seem small things but they can wind up being big things if they lead us into a snare and, and this is what happened with David he was led into a snare because of his iniquity desire for self-importance even though he was important he was the king David could do it all you know he was a minister even though he respected the ministry of the priesthood and he respected the ministry of the prophet and he put himself under the authority of these ministries when when it was necessary but he had such a a relationship with God built on no barriers see this is where where the relationship is fruitful is when there are no barriers so when he was a little shepherd boy and all he had to do was be obedient to dad and tend the sheep life was wonderful it wasn't complicated it was just him and God out there at night and God would anoint him the power of God would come upon him at different times because that was all he had he just had God but God planned a day when David would be rewarded for his obedience to God and God would start to put that anointing in different places and then the testing starts people think all the testing is over once you're anointed but the testing continues until the day you die you have to stay in a place where that anointing will work where it will work for God where it will function for God where it will do only what God wants it to do you've got to stay in that place and so this is, is how God challenges and tests people don't ever think that testing is not still coming to you don't ever think that challenges are not still coming to you don't ever put yourself in a place of false accomplishment comfort and all of these things because you think you've removed all the snares out of your life that'll never happen that'll never happen you'll have to understand that there is always a challenge to you there's always a challenge to your relationship there's always a dependence that you will have on God until the day you leave this earth you'll be challenged all the time the enemy of your soul is there to challenge you God is there rooting you on to say this one belongs to me and and this one wants the relationship this one's going to do whatever is necessary to keep the relationship right this one's going to do whatever what, whatever I tell them to do I tell them to go to the ends of the earth to save one soul this one will do it because that's the relationship this one's devoted to me I'm devoted to them and they're devoted to me and this is the relationship we have and so when when everything when it comes down to everything it's not so much what you have accomplished or so much what you're called to do your call you know God calls all of us calls us to relationship calls us into covenant he loves us all there are some things that we are that are demanded of us based on what he's put inside of us the destiny that we have the purpose that we have but we all have purpose we're all important to him we all he all he wants fellowship with all of us every single one of us there's nobody there's no line for you to get in of importance to God we're all important to him every single one of us he died to have fellowship with us he died so that we could have a best friend that sticks closer than a brother and through that friendship we receive everything 
through friendship you receive healing. It's not through your confession. Your confession may bring him near to you. Your confession may uh, have an effect on your soul. But in the end it's relationship with him that brings these things to us. Do we trust him? Do we put our confidence in him? Do we have our faith in him? Can we expect him to do us good and not evil? If we open up to him, can we expect him to do us good? If we share things with him that we're not proud of, that we're ashamed of, that we, you know, wish God, I wish this would change. You know, I wish this would go away. Can you please? Will he still love us? If we don't measure up in the way we think we're supposed to measure up. So these are the things folks. That that he died so that we could not let that be a barrier anymore. He died so that we could get beyond that insecurity. That that nervousness. That fear of if I tell or if I I let God uh, understand this about me. And how I really feel about that. What's what's going to happen? Can he really heal me? Can he really get me to the point where I'm not as self-critical? I'm not as nervous. I'm not as discouraged about myself. I'm not, you know, where I feel good about myself. Like he feels good. Can he transfer that feeling that he has toward me to me? Could I ever get some of that from God? And these are the things that we we stumble over relationship-wise because then we want to, you know, want to go hide things from Him, and we want to live in that <clears throat> shadow somewhere where we don't have to uh, deal with these things. We don't have to let them be issues, and, and we don't have to let them get dealt with. So uh, David knows that. His sin affected his relationship with God. Boy did it in a big way. In verse 4 he said against thee and thee only have I sinned. In other words God's the only holy one. He's the one who holds the judgment. He's the one who holds the law. He's the one who holds your future in his hands. Even though David sinned. Now this looks like an arrogant statement. You know only you. I didn't hurt those other people. I didn't kill that woman's husband. And I didn't do all this stuff. But what he is saying is God because you're pure and holy. I know if I answer to you. And deal with this before you. And everybody else that I've hurt and everything else. that You'll, you'll straighten that. You'll fix that. For you are the God of all mercy. And you will fix those things for me. See this is the. The, the thing can we trust him to fix everything for us or are we stuck trying to fix everything ourselves well I did this thing but, but I wouldn't have done it if you know I know I did wasn't respectful to that person but if they didn't rub me the wrong way see we're fixing things all in your mind we're fixing things all the time instead of saying God you know when I am strife with my brother it offends you and only you please forgive me and help this thing in me that doesn't let me rest around people that won't let me trust people that that makes me suspect people puts me on edge and makes me defensive and you got me and so if we we David knew that as awful as his sin was and what it did to innocent people if God didn't fix it it was not going to be fixed if God didn't fix it so he throws himself on God's mercy because he knows he says you're the God who is ever merciful he depends on God's unfailing mercy to be able to get him through this so that he can get his the sin from in front of him every day and every minute and every hour. He can get this out of his system. So he says I acknowledge it. I, I know I was wrong. I, man. That's the biggest thing that we can do to get out of the sin of self-importance. <laughs> you know. If that won't bring you down to reality nothing else will. See. The acknowledgement of it. And he says it's ever before me. I can't get it out of my mind. He said against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. 
that you might be justified when you speak and be clear when you judge. So he said I'm acknowledging it because I want you to be just when you speak because I've taken care of my end of it. You can judge me rightly and then I can accept whatever it is that you give me. He says behold I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. So David he's not trying to wiggle out of responsibility here. This is part of his acknowledgement of his sin. He says I know there's stuff in me that's never been dealt with. I know there's stuff in me from birth that he says I'm, I'm a prisoner of my own birth. Everybody's this way. You can't get beyond this. Everybody's this way. We're all prisoners of our natural inheritance to a degree. The minute you think that you're beyond it and you're over it, you're ensnared already. Amen. <laughs> First John tells us if any man says he don't have sin, he's never he's a liar. He says you make God out to be a liar, because God says all have sinned and, and come short of the glory of God. So it, as much as you try to get over it yourself and think you're over it. It's still there. <laughs> God will show you where it is too. You keep keep pumping yourself up. And keep trying to be beyond. Keep trying to say uh, I should have this and I should have that. Because I'm this place and I'm that place and I'm that way. And I don't do this and I don't do that. Keep saying that. Mm-hmm. He'll show you what's there. So <clears throat> what affected David's relationship with God was this thing that drives him. Even though God, he loves God and all of that's good. It just seems that there's something else there nagging and driving. And he wants God to deal with it. He wants it, you know, like we all do. We want it plucked out. We, can you take it out of there? and <laughs> Begging to, to get over yourself. He said, I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And when my mother conceived me, he said, but you desire truth. In the inward parts. See David had a vision of the the age that we live in now. He had an eye toward redemption. He says God your law indicates that you require and you desire truth in our inward parts. In other words you desire to root out this stuff that's in me that drives me to be important and want to gratify myself and gratify my. You you desire to take that out of me. He said because I can see it in your law. Even though I don't do all of that right all the time. And when I sin I have to acknowledge it and confess it and go to the priest and make the offering and the sacrifice. You wouldn't have that law there if you didn't expect me someday to be able to fulfill it. And that's what the old covenant uh, person looked at. He looked at the standard of the law. And David did not despise God's law. He loved God's law. He said that over and over. He'd minister that to people in the Psalms. But yet he saw himself as being totally inadequate and incapable of doing it without God's help. (laughs) They just didn't have it back in that dispensation. But people can understand what was necessary for them to be able to carry out the law of God. They needed truth in their inward parts. They needed to have that iniquity rooted out and have truth put in this place. And that's the new birth. See they looked at a time that we what we now enjoy. And so we have a better covenant based on better promises. And so through relationship God makes this transformation possible for us. Through relationship. Through being distant and being close up. Through being distant and being close up. Through relationship. If there are barriers in the relationship we know that work is being done. You got me? Or work needs to be done. That's always an indicator. Anything that stands between as we say standing between us and God has to be dealt with by God. He will deal with it. You can't get rid of it yourself. You can't hide it from anybody. You can't pretend it's not there. You can't wish it away. It's got to be dealt with by the hand of the Lord. So we see that in verse 4 he says against you only. Other people may be involved but the only person who can straighten this out is God. He is the lawgiver. 
He enforces his own law. This severely affected David's relationship with God. David was accustomed to walking in the presence of God. He was the sweet psalmist of Israel. Wrote all the psalms. All the prolific uh, writings and things that he did were done under relationship. And there are certain conditions that keep a relationship strong. Certain conditions that weaken a relationship. So this affected David's relationship with God. He was still king. He was still anointed. You're anointed for service folks. You're not anointed for good behavior. Good behavior will help you to carry the anointing. But you're anointed so that you can be empowered to serve others and he says he was he was still the favor of the people but in his heart he knew that his behavior displeased God you can go through and do everything that you do in life but if there's something there that you know God's not pleased with he's displeased second samuel 11:27 says that it says that when David had, you can turn there real quickly. It's a few pages, a few chapters back. Second Samuel 11 and verse 27. Verse 26 it says, And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. But that thing that David did displeased the Lord. See, that says everything. That thing, I mean, he did the cover up. You can see here a cover up. He's sends him out to battle tells the the uh, captain of his guard to put him in the front line so that he can be killed he killed and the wife mourns for him and then after her mourning's done immediately brings her over and says this thing displeased God just those few words this thing displeased God see we don't like to talk about God being displeased because we want to walk in we walk in denial of it a lot of times. You know, and that's why sometimes he has to catch up with us somewhere and let us know, you know, grab your you know, you've walked too far away from me. See. It's all about relationship. It's not about good boy, bad boy, good girl, good boy, bad girl. It's about your purpose of having fellowship with God. When that's breached and that's broken, he has to pull you back into fellowship. He has to pull you back into intimacy. He has to pull you back into that place where there's no barrier between the two of you. He's not pulling you back for punishment. He's pulling you back for fellowship. You understand me? It's about him keeping covenant and mercy in your life and he can only do that if he's on the throne of your heart if he's in first place in your life he can't do it with you roaming around doing what you want to do and calling it God and you know you understand what I'm saying he can't do it through self-importance on our part he can only do it through humility on our part and our releasing everything to him so that we can have perfect fellowship with him he died for us to have this closeness you know, if it were just to bless your life and give you things and push you ahead in your career, and he didn't have he didn't have to have fellowship with us to do that. He could just put that on your life. There are a lot of people that have wealth, position, and power in this life and in this world, and have no fellowship with God. But he he designed a covenant with us so that our joy could be full. 
our lives could be full he knows life is empty without him and he knows that if we if we have fellowship with him in a very uh, consistent manner in a very uh, uh, intimate manner then it all things will work out for us everything will be okay for us it, it, it'll work out for us because we're not over somewhere trying to have things apart from him but he is so much a part of our lives we can't enjoy life unless we please him we can't feel good about ourselves unless we please him we can't uh, undertake all of the things that he's put into our hands unless we please him and so this is the quest and it's not uh, I have faith and I please God I'm talking about fellow this is beyond your confession this is beyond your your renewing your mind in the word and all this kind of stuff that we do thinking we have relationship I'm talking about knowing personally when you're pleasing him and knowing personally when you've stepped too far on these things are these this is relationship when I was married well you know you know my husband passed away but it's not like I was married and then divorced I was never divorced I was always married <laughs> my husband used to people say uh, how long did you how long have you been married he said I know her I think I, I looked over and she was from my crib and she was always you know who asked to marry who hmm. <laughs> that kind of stuff always married but I knew in my heart not to do certain things that would displease if you can know that with a person you know that you've got to know that with God you've got to know that with God you've got to know that when he calls you to be a blessing when you when you cease wanting to be a blessing and you start wanting to get blessed so much you veered off you're blessed for a purpose to carry that blessing beyond where you've received it and give it to somebody else you can be a blessing to people in ways you don't know just being obedient to God fulfills that see making doing what he tells you to do your top priority fulfills that just just allowing yourself to be used by God in certain ways fulfills that it fulfills that there's so many ways that we can be a blessing to people but if you're wrapped up in you and you still got you on your mind you're reluctant because you wonder what they're going to think about you and is this going to work out and what's somebody going to say and suppose I do something wrong intimacy day you know Jesus never worried about what people thought about and it wasn't arrogant see this is the thing we say certain things and it hits us the wrong way I'm not worried about what you mean he didn't say it with that kind of spirit but he said it with the spirit of I know if I obey the father then that will please the father and my relationship with the father will not be broken it won't be strained it'll be everything it's supposed to be and that's why I don't care what people think about me because the father tells me what to do and I go forth and I do that and, and I'm blessed and the world is blessed and the father's pleased and it's all right in every quarter see this is why we obey God so we can keep fellowship relationship and it's right in every quarter it's not nothing's missing nothing's broken the whole situation is in God's peace that's what he wants that's why he calls us people of peace that's why he calls us to carry his peace it's mending broken things it's helping strained situations it's alleviating stress and pressure off of our fellow believer see we're going to get to the place where we're going to quit messing with each other's heads in the body of Christ you understand what I'm saying do little things that throw the other person off balance because we feel like being important at that moment See, we're going to stop doing that 
Because we're going to have an acute awareness of how God feels about it. See, because he hadn't been letting us know. know, He treats us like children sometimes just to see how far we'll go. Those words, this thing displeased the Lord said everything to David. It said everything. I mean, it. it's not a light thing. It's not a thing you want to have just leave it out there and not repent and not tell God, yes, God, your forgiveness for that. It's not something you want to leave out there like that. And then cover it up with some kind of legalism. Somebody gives you like evil. You you shouldn't be confessing all the time. And shut up. I'm trying to keep relationship. I don't know what you're trying to do or what you got going. That's between you and God. But I'm trying to keep relationship. Everybody wants power. God doesn't give power to people you can't trust. He doesn't give power to people that don't love him, don't don't aren't grieved when they don't please him. You give him what do you, what do you mean? He got it. That's what true friendship is. I don't know too many people want to remain your friend when you don't care how that what they how they feel about you or how what you do makes them feel. Humans don't want to be your friend under those circumstances. You got to know how he feels about things when you refuse to believe him. How does that make him feel? When you refuse to have that time of worship and spend time in the word. He's got something. He's, he's excited to tell you about something this morning. Why don't you get up and spend some time with him and listen to him? You want to disappoint him every day. These are things you know. If you don't really seek relationship. You won't know anything about how he feels about stuff. But David sure did. And he knew when the relationship was fractured. When it was broken. And he did whatever he had to whatever you got to do to get the relationship back. To get it mended. That's what you do. You do what you must do to mend the relationship. We're talking about the bride of Christ. My goodness. He doesn't want a bride in tatters and rags. Same way you were when he found you. Come on now. Let's, let's step it up. Step up our game a little bit. David broke God's law and God was not pleased. The Bible says that. He didn't just cover it up and wink at it. He wasn't pleased. And David knew it. Number one, David acknowledged that God must enforce his law. God must enforce his law. It's a law. Number two, he acknowledged that he put the breach in the relationship. Oftentimes we're more concerned with what's God going to do if we don't do. Seldom are we motivated by getting the relationship right. I've known people who knew they were being disobedient to somebody important authority people I've known wives who were disobedient to husbands people don't even think about that anymore it's hurt them hurt families hurt everybody same thing uh, husbands not really loving their wives having a roving eye things of that nature hurts everything and I've known people who would think things like well I know he doesn't like this but I'm going to do it anyway because he'll get over it in a he'll be over it in a you see same way sometimes we look at God you know we don't we don't try to find out what really pleases him and what doesn't we just want our life to get back where it used to be as soon as possible he'll get over it I just want what I want Never stop to think. What does this hurt him? Does this? Hmm. There has to be a place in your heart where you allow God to let you know those things. You, that door has to be opened by you. You got to want to know. 
And if it's never been opened, you need to open it. You've got to want to know. Or your correction will always come from external. He'll always have to send you a Nathan or somebody like that too. I'm here. <laughs> you messed up. You got me? So you've got to open that door yourself so that he knows. He knows. And then the healing process can start. He can start to root out. Once you know something's in there that shouldn't be in there, then he can work on it. That's why David says, created me a clean. He said, man, I messed up. I thought I was just, you know, skipping, skipping military practice. <laughs> you got me? But there's, there was something in David's heart. The Bible says that it was a time where he should have been someplace else. So instead of being obedient to where he should have been, he took on a role of self-importance. I don't have to do it. I can get away with it. It's not that important that I see. And all that he'd done and all that he could do for God and all that stuff was hanging in the balance based on this one thing that he thought he could. It's okay if I do this. I know it's not cool. I know it's not, you know, it's not the best thing I could do with my time, but it's not sin. We don't know what is sin most of the time. The Bible says all unrighteousness is sin. If you want things in your heart the wrong way. I mean I'm talking about things God gave you. And wants you to. If you want them the wrong way to sin. You say you don't do it. You're a liar. So David says this stuff is in me man. And I <laughs> thought I could get it. He probably had skipped military duties once or twice. But God looked at it. Nope. Not going to do it this time. Hmm. I'm not putting up with this from you, David. To bring somebody to repentance takes a lot. You see what Nathan told David. He gave him a parable. He had to touch his heart. He had to open that door up in his heart where he knew God and the relationship was was founded. And that was in his work as a shepherd. And he gave the the parable about the man that... Owned a little ewe lamb that was his only possession. And this wealthy man that had many sheep and many lambs. And he came and took his only ewe and killed it and, and dined on it. And that touched David in a place where he probably hadn't been touched in a long time. Because here he was a king. He thought he didn't have to go out to battle. He's preserving his own life. Instead of going out to battle like he always did and depend on God's divine protection, he fears I'm not going out there this time. I'm taking care of me. See, self-importance will always bring you to the place of failure. And David said, you know what? I've paid my dues out there in them chariots with mud slinging in my face. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You get driven around, but get sick of the mud slinging in your face and you know folding yourself up in the seat of a van and coming every weekend or you understand what I'm saying it's easy to let your mind float over in that realm and then you forsake God's protection on your life you forsake trusting God you figure I can do this now because of where I am and it's easy to do. It's easy to get important in yourself. And so this thing drives David and he gets ensnared. Got me? It drives you to a snare. When you love God and you want relationship with God, you're the bride of Christ. He's adorning you with all these things. Nothing can be off limits to him. Everything has got to be placed at his feet. You can't have your mind made up about something already and expect God to honor it. It has to be given over to him. So you know you you can be a person that's serving God but not through relationship. 
because he can't speak into certain areas of your life he can't tell you I've got better for you here he can't you don't let him tell you those things he just I can I got this I'll handle this but if something goes wrong with it then we want to hasten to the throne (laughs) huh He should say depart from me. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Because you don't let him help you with it. You don't ask him what his plan is for it. You don't give it over to him. You don't trust him with it. You already got your mind made up. That That's sewed up already. So nothing can be off limits to this process. He knows it anyway. But in order for him to deal with it. You got to acknowledge that he knows it. And that you want his will in this situation. You can't assume anything. So David feels so bad. That he just wants to be purged. Verse 7 he says purge me with hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. He says just whatever you got to do God. Beat me up. Kill me. Throw me down. Cleansing in the New Testament sense is not only freedom from guilt, which David asks him to deliver him from from blood guiltiness. It's not only purging from guilt or freedom from guilt or purging, but freedom from the propensities to stray away from the relationship. So you want to get at the root of this thing. You want to, God now, come on, I get caught up in this and I get busy with that and I get carried away with that and people tell me how wonderfully I do things and how great I am and all this kind of good stuff. And <laughs> Secret sins and hidden things ensnare us. God wants to purge us from those things. He wants to... Bring those things out. David, that's the iniquity that David talks about. He said, that iniquity ensnared me. He said, I know what it is. He wasn't trying to get out of responsibility for it. When he says, I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity from my mother's womb. He's thinking, he said, this is something that's deep, God. This is something that's so deep I was barely aware of it. I was just going about my kingly duties and and the the captains told me well don't go out today David you stay behind and I failed to ask you if that was your will I took the will of man over the will of God and that displeases God the whole of it displeased him the reason for it the fruit of it the root of it everything of it displeased the Lord so David was ensnared he was a warrior and a king but he was ensnared by missing his place in the battle should have been with the men identifying with them sometimes our identification with who we pretend to be gets us in trouble by identifying with the men in battle that would have pleased God and would have you know provided a an escape for him a way of escape for him you know David wasn't a a, um, a novice to fighting snares look at all the years he'd run from Saul and never killed him never retaliated why he was trusting God to keep him see when you're on the run and you have no resources it's real easy to trust God but when you've received your reward and you're in your throne and you're in the place where God has promised to put you that's when the snares can come so you got to be vigilant you got to trust God with your soul all the time you trust him with everything all the time you have to be attentive to what he tells you about yourself and and be prepared to go before him and say god you know this isn't right and i've labored with this thing all of my life it's always here it's ever before me and it's time now can you help me with it i'm willing to trust you with it right now Sometimes it's one time (laughs) you get in trouble. (laughs) 
my late husband used to say that he said I don't know every time I did something I got caught he said I just was never able to get away with anything and so one day I, after he was saved I was able to tell him I said can you understand that was the hand of the Lord saving you from a defeated life your life could end up a whole lot worse than it is right now brother you know he saved you from totally from a defeated life because those those sins defeat you anyway you know a lot of times these things you do early in life you pay the penalty throughout your adult life you just wish millions of times you'd never done what you did when it's there anyway wrong timing can be a snare being too anxious for something wrong timing feeling that you're you can retrieve something that has slipped by you know people get older and they start looking at boy if I could have done this this and this all of a sudden you see these gray haired people going to college and I mean you know it's not wrong with it I hope I guess but you know what I'm saying it's common to to get to a certain point in your life and want to reset your clock and re-get your timing (laughs) reset everything (laughs) for you not for God for his glory a snare is a snare once your foot is in it unless you can disentangle yourself you can become the devil's pawn and I think you're more of his pawn when you try to disentangle yourself look at David instead of going praying this prayer before the Uriah plot he had to pray it afterwards we all try to get ourselves out of our own mischief and our own trouble and this is what David recoiled at he was God's psalmist his warrior everything that he had come through he came through by trusting God. He'd been ensnared many times. Look at the situation with uh, um, uh, Nabal and Abigail. Hey, he's just surviving. And they're a group of men who are drawn to him, but he's in survival mode. He's not in a position to provide much for them. Uh, he's not, you know king as yet he's he's still running from Saul he's trying not to put himself in Saul's place he wants nothing to do with that kind of stuff but he's totally dependent upon God for his help and his foot gets in a snare it's this this sin of self-importance he's seen it before in his life this is not this business here in Psalm 51 this isn't the first time that he's seen this crop up in his life and it's what he says born in sin shaped in iniquity a lot of stuff that hurts us has always hurt us it's not new it's the same old same old cropping up again and so he says here you know when when he he and his, his young men thought well here's a man that has sheep and you know if we don't help protect we could either be friend or foe so he has some some young men out guarding his flock and David looks and says now we could kill these young men and take the sheep and survive he's in survival mode but he decides to do things God's way no doubt God's let him know no David you are a man under after my heart you've always trusted me I'm telling you help these young men show you trust me and I'll help you so David goes forth he helps the young men and uh, writes back to the the landowner Nabal tells him what they have done and, and we protected your sheep and you know if he has any doubt he can ask these young men yeah they protected us and they did us good and you know we were protected all night and so forth and so forth well Nabal's got his own reputation he didn't protect nothing of mine because I take care of my stuff I don't need you David who is David and he didn't repay David good and David got mad he said I'm going to kill everybody up there so get ready huh? but God intervened because David totally trusted God he wasn't trying to plot anything he just said something in a fit of anger and God sends Abigail to make peace you know thank God she's a godly woman 
God can raise up helpers out of almost nowhere. Who would have thought an idiot like Nabal would be married to a woman like Abigail? You understand what I'm saying? Well, to put it this way, maybe the fact that she was married to him made her trust God all the way. You know what I'm saying? It worked both ways, but we don't know. But help for David came from the most unlikely source. The most unlikely source. And the fact that she was willing to trust God and intercede for her husband was a miracle in itself. Most women submitted and you lived or died according to. But God's spirit rested on her. The spirit can minister however God says. No male nor female. Just minister. And so she was able to preserve David's position in God's eyes one more day. And that's all David usually needed was one more day. And he had a had some relief from Saul chasing him to kill him. And, and he could survive and think clearly and get back to himself. And he thanked her at the end. For helping him not to shed innocent blood and keep in my hand. See when, when, when God intervenes for you. That work gets done. See there's no reason for us to not submit everything to God. And not trust him in everything. Because when we, when we get that word from him. That word adjusts everything. And it helps everything. And we come back into our right mind. Right relationship with God again. Where David used to hang on God's every word. This is a familiar thing to him now. So he, he gets back into his place of rest in God. And so David longs to have that relationship back. He says purge me in verse 7 with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me I shall be whiter than snow. Hyssop was what the, the branch or the, the uh, plant branch that the priests use to dip in blood and to cleanse all the the uh, instruments of the altar. Hyssop was what the children of Israel used to dip in blood and paint the doorposts to cover them. So hyssop was was an instrument to apply blood to your life. It's an instrument to apply atonement. It was he said, if you do that, God, if you let me get under that cleansing power, that blood that you've always wanted to to cleanse me with he said I, i'll be okay he said I, I know if you if you come near to me again and cleanse me i'll be okay and verse 8 make me to hear joy and gladness this man's depressed man being apart from god <laughs> you don't want it we don't want it that's why we we uh keep humble ourselves to stay in good standing with god and stay close to him says hide my face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities hide my I don't want to face this anymore God I just I've had enough just being around myself is punishment enough you know I, I want out of this in your mercy do this for me create in me a clean heart O God and renew a right spirit within me this is talking about a new covenant operation creating a clean heart that's what God always promised Israel so David really is repeating God's promises back to him and he says renew a right spirit within me he says there's something wrong on the inside of me that's gotten a hold of me and I don't want it here I don't trust it I don't like it let's get rid of it cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit away from me Holy Spirit was everything to him. Helped him, comforted him, taught him everything. And he says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. What you've done for me and uphold me with your free spirit. He says, and then I'll pass it on. I'll be a blessing to other people. I'll teach transgressors your ways. He says, I can't do that right now. So I don't have anything to give anybody. He said, I'm messed up. He said, but if you'll get me right again. I'll do what I'm supposed to do. This is this is this is preparation for service to be empowered for service. That all this stuff that ensnares us, God begins to work on 
I'm telling you folks, we gonna be a whole lot different. We think we cool in the body of everybody thinks that they know what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> you know, I see people working so hard to build their ministry and you know, passing out cards and you know, getting on this thing and that thing to make themselves public and all this kind of they think more exposure means more success. More this means more this. More that means more that. But if it's done outside a relationship with God, you haven't accomplished anything. You can you can take it and, and just not have it because it's not done. You know, trust him with it. As David wants, he wants his relationship restored. That's whatever it takes. He said, I'll be wrong. I'll be wrong every minute. But whatever it takes, I want back in. I don't like being out. This is not a good feeling for me. Being out is, is you know, I, I, I need it. I don't know what's going to take to get this adjusted, Lord, but I need it done. I need it done. I need it done. See, we don't, we don't. We don't have fellowship because we're perfect. We don't have fellowship because of what we don't do. When we look at other Christians and compare ourselves, we don't have fellowship with him based on those things. We have it based on relationship. What's he expect of you? If you don't know, find out. What's he pleased with? What's he not pleased? You don't know, find out. If you say you're devoted to God, why are you always worried about what what's going to happen with you and who loves you and who doesn't love you and, and do you get extra money for this and have you been out for that and can you go out and take friends out no what what are you worried about that if he's so important to you why are you worried about these things why is there always something on the altar besides you and that's not just old testament <laughs> you know, we pull it out when we want to and put it away when we don't want to. It's all God. Everything. But but he wants a people, folks, who want relationship and will do anything necessary to make sure the relationship is intact. Whatever you need to do, whatever you need to confess, whatever you need to put aside, whatever you need to to just ask him to help you get rid of the desire for it, whatever. He wants relationship. He really does. If, if he can't have us, he's certainly not going to let the world have us. Huh? We bought and paid for. He wants us to go deeper in this thing with him. You come out confident, you come out, you're changed into another person. And you're not standing in your own power, you're standing in the power of God. You're standing in what He approves of for your life. You're standing in perfect uh, uh, completeness because you know you please Him. There's nothing better than the feeling you please God. Nothing better. Nothing than the knowledge you please Him. And I'm telling you, most of us go through our Christian lives and have no clue. We're, we're, you know, we think we're living the right kind of life, but we're still legalists because we're distant. Okay, we look at what we do, 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 don't do, do, do. We do our own checklist and we say we have a relationship. That's not a relationship. It's not. Relationship is relationship. There's nothing that can replace it. There's no substitute for it. There's no counterfeit of it. It is what it is. And those who know their God, the Bible says, will do exploits. It's a relationship with him. Know when you please him? We don't. Gone too far? Go back and get in your box. You understand what I'm saying? That's what my husband used to tell me. You know, we'd go out somewhere. This was before I was saved. And, you know, we'd have drinks or whatever and if I laughed too loud I saw him come over and stand next to me you know and if I talked to somebody too loud he would come and hover hover over you know that's what husbands do I don't know about y'all but mine did and you know <laughs> if I got drunk he come <laughs> he'd come over over and take her home you understand what I'm saying you only go so far in a relationship care who it's with not free anymore to do what you want to do Ask for what you want and go off and have fun with it. You, you're accountable to that person that loves you. So that's what God wants, folks. He's the, the crazy boyfriend. 
that doesn't want you talking to anybody. You know, displeasing him. I'm, no way. No way. He's the friend that stays closer than a brother. It means he's inside your skin. You know? <laughs> and calling the shots. He's not in there so you can go and do what you want to do. He's in there to help you obey him. Obedience is not a bad word. Huh? We're growing up in a, a culture and a place where we think freedom is being deranged. You know, people get crazy and they call it freedom. It's not freedom, it's bondage. Freedom is having enough discipline to know what you're doing. Self discipline, self control. All the fruit of the Spirit in operation, having a dignity about you that pleases the Master, what He's adorned you with. You know, having walking in that character in that presence. And and that's what's pleasing to him. But you've got to have your personal understanding what pleases him. What what I do to please him may not be what he's demanding of you or right now or whatever. You can't copy relationship. Relation comes relationship comes through the face to face. You know, what what you know God requires and what he's told you and how far he will let you go. And that's that's it. That's all it is. That's all it is. Doing everything you can to please him. And then you're empowered. And and he's moving us toward greater empowerment. That's all there is to it. Uh, because sin is so abounding. You know, grace has to much more abound and that's empowerment. To do the works of God. So in our, our devotions and you know our one minute Bible time and you know blitzing through everything, reading through everything real fast. Uh, let us stop and recognize that God is a person. Jesus is his son. Hmm? The Holy Spirit completes the Trinity. We need them all. We need them all uh, working for us and working with us and working through us and we need to keep relationship on the front burner no more back burner I bet if relationships on the front all the other stuff that you're so concerned about uh, gets taken care of definitely gets taken care of so alright we're done thank you father Lord we thank you for your word and for understanding and for help in our time of need. And Father we know that we need your help like nothing ever before. So much we need your help. And we thank you and we bless you and we praise you. We honor you and magnify you. And we lift you up because you are worthy to be praised and adored. And we love you and we thank you Lord in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 If anybody needs prayer.